Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Dan Dottie. Dan is the co-founder of Everyman, an organization that does men's work, also called Deep Work. He is the host of the Everyman podcast. Dan has an important message for us about our emotional health as men, and some of the things that we can do to become better men, partners, fathers, community members, and leaders. Dan, can you tell me a little bit about your background and some of the projects that you're working on? Yeah, great. So I grew up on the flat prairies of the northern Midwest in North Dakota, and I was a very sensitive young boy. I was, I was shy. I was a nerd. I liked to read. And I grew up in a culture that was very, very emotionally closed and there was not much experience. I kind of describe it as the opposite of a of an Italian family on Long Island, right? Like <laughs> instead of being loud and vibrant, we were quiet and it was cold where we grew up. And uh, fast forward, um, I, I share that because it is important in setting it all up, but uh, I had a great childhood. I played football. I was in heavy metal bands. I, you know, was fairly popular. I went to college and just had a very almost ignorantly blissful young life. And then I ended up after college, um, looking for a job. I spent some, a couple years abroad. I lived in Central America and South America and was just kind of doing the adventure thing and the travel thing. And I needed a job. I needed to come back to the States and, and I became a wilderness therapy guide. So that meant that I went out in the woods or in the mountains or on the lakes with groups of young men who were having a hard time in their life. And when I found this job, I found myself and I found a purpose and I found a, a calling. And the calling was to spend immense amounts of time in nature while and with connection to other people using nature as a platform to really connect. And I started to wake up this deeply buried emotional self that I that I never really had full at much I'd say much access to as a young person so I did that for several years and then I wanted a new adventure so I moved to New York City became a New York City teaching fellow I got my master's in education simultaneously as I taught high school in the Bronx which was a just an incredibly growing uh, experience it's one of the greatest things and happiest times of my life but it was also probably the toughest thing I've ever done um, I left that because I didn't want to be an academic teacher. What I wanted to do is, is be more of a mentor and work with people closer. So I moved to Montana and I, and I worked in the wilderness field again for a bit, but then I started a career in media, which lasted about four and a half or five years where I started out as a production assistant on a TV crew to take care of a crew of guys in the woods again there's a pattern there. I end up in the woods all the time because it's where I like to be. And that grew into a, a full fruiting career where in a couple of years I became a producer and a director and a shooter and I eventually became a, a uh, executive producer. I ended up producing about 60 episodes of a hunting and adventure show called Meat Eater, which is on Netflix now. Um, and I learned how to tell a story really well. And fast forward to the end of that, I got married. I had uh, a boy, a son, who's two now, and the month the month after he was born, I got fired from my media career, and I launched Everyman, which is a platform, a community of men around the country and globally that simply shares and teaches men how to slow down and be in touch with themselves and take the risk of being vulnerable, because the benefits of that go straight to the heart of two of our biggest issues for men today. And, the, and those are emotional suppression and social isolation. So as a lot of dudes keep shit in, they, they tamp down what they feel and they don't share it and they, and, and we're isolated and, and the, the science and the social science about that is very clear on, on how, uh, harmful these two things are. So what we do in our practice, we get together in men's groups or we go on retreats or we go to the woods and we simply practice feeling and sharing. And it's exactly what it sounds like and it's nothing what it sounds like. It's actually terrifying. It's actually very scary. It triggers a lot of the 
a lot of similar neurochemicals as um, extreme sports because it's scary. It's really scary to do what we do, but it's incredibly powerful too. I think it's absolutely awesome. I mean, you talked a little bit about emotional suppression and social isolation. Um, I think a lot of guys will resonate with that, but can you expand on what those things look like in, in a person's life? And, and then I want to talk a little bit about how the retreats help to solve that. And then also how, when somebody leaves a retreat that can extend in other aspects of their life. Beautiful. Yeah. So emotional suppression or emotional repression is, you know, a, more of a clinical term for just feeling a lot of things and tamping them down inside and, and not letting them out, not having, it's almost like a digestion system, right? So we eat food and it goes inside of us and we extract what we need from it. And then we, and then we process it, we get rid of it and it goes out the other end, right? And an emotional experience has some similarities to that. So something or anything happens in our life and an emotional reaction occurs and that is a physiological reaction and if you think about it when you feel something strongly if you slow down and pay enough attention there is a body sensation in that reaction right so you know in when i feel fear i feel tightness in my chest and my sternum feels like it's caving in sometimes i get a little nauseous and so what that does is recognizing that helps normalize and first of all everybody simply needs to know and men need to hear this that Everyone has emotions all of the time, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter if you address them or face them or allow them to be there, they're there, they happen. It's part of being human. It's one of the core parts of being human. And so when we suppress them, we basically let, we bring them in and then we, ugh, we clamp down, we tighten up and the rest of the process doesn't happen. We basically, if we don't have expression or a clear way to actually honor, feel, and process our emotions, they get stuck. They get in there. They, they, they create a log jam. And that log jam actually makes us more emotional. It makes us less able to perform, less able to collaborate, less able to, to be creative, less able to be productive. And so we're, we're it, to me, emotional literacy and functionality is some of the lowest hanging fruit in men's wellness today because it's something that most men don't have any experience with. And it's scary, but simple. And so when you learn to feel what you're feeling and express what you're feeling, and it's, it really is that simple. It's feel what you feel and express it simply. I'm sad. I'm, I'm unhappy and scared and I don't know what to do right now. That is literally the, the simple answer to to, to a big chunk of our, of our wellness is to be that simply able to, to be literate in that way. So, um, so that's the emotional literacy piece and, and the, the social isolation, and let's just say that's one way to say it, but being lonely, being alone, not having connection, right? And you look, you look out into the, the sphere of news and articles and what people are reporting and there's so much happening in the in the world of of men and boys today, right? There's there's the whole Me Too movement. There's suicide. There's the mass shootings. All of this stuff has a inflection or is inflected with masculinity and males, and it's 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 up, right? Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's aware of it. And one of the major things is the fact that men, as they get older, the natural friendships that we have when we're, when we're younger that tend to happen when we're in school and, and things like this, they become less and less uh, normal when you become an, a man. When you get out of college, a lot of guys I work with, and I work with guys one-on-one -on -one too, but you know, they're, they're a couple years out of college, they're four, five, six, eight years out of college, and they're like, they look around, all of a sudden it's like, where are all my guys? Where'd they go? They're not here anymore. We spread out. I'm not making more friends. And then you add technology to this and the the amount of you can spend your day, the time of your day by yourself communicating with people, you know, digitally. All of a sudden we're, we're in a, a crisis of isolation and many men, they just don't have one to go to. They don't feel, and it comes down to basics, feeling loved, feeling accepted, belonging to a group, you know, having a somebody to to lean on and be leaned on by really basic human things that that we're not okay 
as as a as an individual, man, woman, child, old person, whatever, we're not okay as a human without that sense of belonging. Belonging, it's primary to our wellness. So, our practice when we get together in our groups or on our retreats, we're, we're really just practicing the same stuff. It goes to the heart of both of those issues by by being vulnerable that vulnerability or so so by feeling what we feel and expressing it to others that is vulnerability that is being vulnerable and what we begin to learn as we practice this together and this is foreign for most men right this is not how we are but we say okay we're going to get together and for this time period we're going to practice doing things a different way we're going to we're going to go from a place of feeling and that vulnerability is what brings humans together that literally is how people humans bond together that vulnerability starts to get passed back and forth and you you can walk out of a 2 hour 3 hour practice session or meeting and you'll feel like you have deeper friends you'll be deeper with some of these men than friends you've had for years even decades you know you go on a weekend and show up and 40 50 guys are there you'll walk out with you know, a handful of men who will probably be your close friends for the rest of your life. And I'm not exaggerating. It's, it's that, uh, it's that impactful. And the great thing too, is we, we consider what we do like a gym. It is, it's like, we are going into these spaces to exercise and do reps at this emotional connection thing, because you asked, how does it, you know, fit into the rest of our life outside? It is exactly that. What we really need to do is learn how to relax and open up and feel and share with the ones that we love already, right? Our girlfriends, our brothers, our fathers, our mothers. I had this incredible opening with my dad this year that has completely changed my life, completely changed his life, changed our family's dynamic. You know, my relationship with my wife is better and and stronger and, and more supportive than I actually could have ever even imagined any relationship to be. And it's, I just do what I can to be, to practice those things with the people in my life. And I don't know, man, it really, it's really impactful. It really works. I mean, you're really talking about a form of leadership that men don't often discuss, right? And, and I was thinking about your son as you talked about the relationship you have with your father and how that relationship with your father will probably affect your relationship with your son in ways that you might not be able to recognize now, but will be profound over the course of his life. Absolutely. It's, it's so interesting, the order of operations of things, because my son's birth was really the the impetus for me to go all in with this. You know, I was scared for many years to really speak up and and talk about this stuff. I feel like, you know, the maybe the culture was a little bit less ready for it, but I was definitely shaking in my boots to stand up and be a guy to tell men to feel more. And when he was born, it was so clear. It was like, all right, all right, man. Like if like being a dad is far more than just like being home for this kid. Like you, you, you have something and you're passionate about something that the world needs to hear. And so in some sense, it's, it, this is all for my, my son in some ways. But the crazy thing is, Maybe even more clearly, it's also been all for my dad and that, you know, I think, oh man, it's such a, it's such a clear and poignant thing for me personally to know that the, you know, my dad as a father, me as a father, me as a son and then, and my boy, you know, this is just, this is, it means so much to take this seriously to be, to take being a father so seriously, not in some, you know, stiff way, but just in a, a heartfelt way. You know, I, I, man, the, the, the amount of love that I feel for my son and I'm about to have a, another son. I mean, I'm, congratulations. <laughs> I, I, thank you. And in, in less than a month, I, I joke that I'm, I'm just fated to spend my life with dudes, but, uh, <laughs> um, but my dad has really stepped up, you know, it was, he wanted to be a grandfather so badly. And when he first became a grandfather, we were having troubles because him and I were butting heads. And, you know, I, to watch my son love my dad. And now for me to get, for most of my life, I felt this 
bristly energy to my dad. Like it was really tense and tight and uncomfortable. Like we loved each other. We had a relationship, but there's just so much in between us, like just walls and walls between us. And, and that's literally been broken down. And now I consider my dad one of my best friends and we talk about everything and it's just, you know what it is? It's that we, we got past whatever it was between us and we just get to love each other now. And I, I get to love him openly and he loves me openly and we both love my son and, and it pours out into everybody else in our family. It's not just about us men, but it's about us men growing up enough and maturing enough and getting over our own shit enough to just be able to love more. I mean, you know, that's, I don't want to over, oversimplify things, but in some ways that's what it comes down to is we're, we're just taking the risk to love each other more. How were you able to work things out with your dad? He came to one of our retreats in, uh, in the Berkshires uh, in April and I'd been inviting him to events for years and you know I think he'd been listening to our podcast every man podcast and you know I think he'd been slowly being inoculated with what we're doing and and you know he came to me and said hey I I'm gonna come I want to come because I think I need to for you right he's, he's, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'll come for you and I'm like all right man cool and uh you know as it got closer Man, I got scared, and I think he got scared, but we but we showed up, and and I don't know if there's ever been a more uh, clear MVP of any event we've ever done. My dad just he just stepped up, man. He just went for it, and you know he's 65, and he had a lot of stuff that he hadn't shared probably with anyone ever, and he just went for it. He just like he took the cap off and he just poured everything out, and it was. I mean, you know, there's that, there was one moment where we were there and the whole, the whole, everybody was there, was in a circle and we were in the middle and, um, I don't know, they like, you know, kind of guided us through some exercise together and I broke down as much as I've ever broke down and, you know, got, I don't know, probably the, the most impactful hug I've ever had in my entire life and, and it just, and everything kind of changed, man. I mean, and and I and it felt, you know, it changed between him and I. But the bigger picture is, it, it felt like we did something together that could, you know, alter the course of our family's history in a way. And I, and that's kind of dramatic to say, but but it's real. And and uh, you know, I feel like my boys are going to grow up with like a, a pretty a hell of a pretty good situation in terms of you know male guidance and, and, you know, I have, uh, so many strong male friends that are such great humans around me, you know, and I have these two little boys. Well, yeah, it's funny to talk about that cause one's still in the belly, but, um, I'm about to have these two little boys that have, uh, you know, I, I think there is a, there's a crisis in our culture of not having men show up and really be fully present for their kids, but also for other people. And, and I'm confident to say that uh, my, my boys don't have that problem. They, they're not going to have that problem. Can you explain what it means to be fully present? Yeah, I, I think so. I'll give you my version right now. And, and that is less in the head and more in the, the, the lived experience moment by moment. So uh, like I said, what we practice is first we slow down. So I, I think that's that's ingredient number one to being present. And you can be present while you're moving fast, right? I mean, you look at like LeBron James or any good sports star, like they're moving as fast as they can, but they're so fully present. So you can get there. But in terms of relationality, being present with others, it very much helps to slow down. And I say slow down and then slow down again and then keep slowing down. And then what I find most helpful in terms of being present is to really plug into the body to plug into what is being felt. You know, can you feel your feet? I can feel my feet on the floor right now. I can feel my breath coming in and out. You know, am I cold? Am I hot? And and it's a sense of relaxing into the actual experience that my, you know, body and heart and soul and brain. And it's not unplugging the brain, right? It's not not being in the head, but one of the guys that 
I work with just said something that was really impactful to me. He said, I'm starting to be able to listen to more things than just my head. I'm starting to be able to pay attention to more than just the thoughts that are, that are generally so loud, right? So it's for me being present is slowing down, being aware of what's happening in my own self. And then from that place, especially in a relational dynamic, being able to be really there with someone else while they're talking, while they're emoting, while they're sharing, while they're living, what, whatever that is, is can I put my attention, am I settled down enough to put my attention on or into the other person deeply enough that they can feel me? And and the 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 amazing thing that we practice in in our work at Everyman is that it becomes, you start to be very, very uh, adept at noticing when somebody's in their head and just spinning stories and like going in loops and doing the mental thing, or if they're slowed down, present in their bodies, feeling their feelings. So feeling their feel, feeling your feelings, I think, is a big part of being present too. It's it's you know, being real with what is actually happening. That feels like being present to me. So we practice that, and you start to notice that when someone is present, you can freaking feel it. When someone else is fully there with you, it's as clear as anything in the world. So so we get to start to to uh, be great mirrors for each other. So say say you're sharing something and and uh, I'm feeling you, I'm feeling you, but then you start telling a story and it feels like this, uh, our bodies have these amazing innate ability to sense stuff. So like if I start to get, if I start to lose you, if I start to get bored, if I start to get lost or confused, it's my job to say, hey man, I, I was really feeling you. I lost you. I'm not sure where you are right now. Maybe can we back up and do something? So, so this this being present thing is something we get to help each other get better at just by simple feedback in the moment. It's like, um, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things I want you to talk about because th- this came up recently with one of the guys who's an intern for us, and I said, hey, I began joining some of these men's groups. I think that they would be helpful for you. I mean, it's not obligatory in any way, but I think it would be helpful for you if you're interested because he's gone through a lot of trauma and didn't really have, a, I mean, actually had a pretty shitty male role model growing up. And, and I can see some of the, these things that he's struggling with and feel like my limited experience with the men's groups would help him. And well, not my limited experiences, but the things that I've experienced and seen that like he would benefit from them. And And one of the things he told me was, and he, I mean, he's a young guy in his early 20s. And so for Craft of Charisma, we're evolving more and more into a men's wellness media company. But we do, our, the core is still coaching and coaching around dating. And um, that's how that's how we fund everything else. And, and we're expanding in different cities. And he tells me he wants to get better with girls. And he goes, don't you think... Um, if I want to get better with girls, well, or he asked me, do you, do you think that spending so much time with guys is going to help me get better with girls? <laughs> and, and so I want you to maybe talk about how this has impacted your relationship because you said it's impacted your relationship, uh, with your wife, but we've mostly so far talked about how it's affected your relationship with other men. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great question. Yeah. How, how does spending time with guys <laughs> make me better at, at, uh, relating or, or dating? So here's, here's why I think it's really helpful and important. And you know, it's not for everybody, but the same skills of being present, of being able to communicate, of being able to feel the skills are the same whether you're speaking to a man or relating with a man or a woman. And they're the same whether it's a friend or whether it's a romantic interest. And it, they're the same whether you're at a bar or in bed. It's the same. And what working with a group of men offers is for most men, it is it is a safer, it is a safe entry point. It is a safer entry point to this type of relating and this type of experiencing life that, you know, for example, imagine a room full of men and you get paired up and you're asked to, you know, stand and look at each other and share what you honestly feel about that man or share with that man what you're most scared of or share with that man 
you know, what you're most proud of and what you, or what you're ashamed of, what you don't want to tell him. And you say it anyway. Now put yourself in a room where you're looking into the eyes of a strain of a woman that you don't know really well. And it, the, the dynamics change, right? In many ways, right? So, um, maybe, you know, I guess I'm speaking on a kind of a heteronormative way here and I don't mean to just do that, but for a lot of men, you know, looking in the eyes of a woman brings up a, a different set of, uh, I'd say complications or experiences than looking in the eyes of a man. And, uh, and I'll just speak for myself here <clears throat> that I think there's, well, a couple of things. First of all, it's been very helpful for me and a lot of men I know to to have a, an all-male space to practice in and um, fuck up and be willing to look like a, an idiot and be willing to make mistakes and have that be okay. And and I think that, um, you know, there's an extra set of fears that come along in being in a, in a you know, multiple gendered era, arena. But th- the other thing too is that some of this is – in my view is reparative in the sense that I'm kind of like, Hey guys, we, we got some, we got some stuff we got to clean up. There's some stuff that we are responsible for in our relationships and our world that it's very beneficial if we come together and work some of this stuff out so that we're not working it out with our partners all the time. That's, that's one of the things like, I think one trap guys get into in relationships is is their their romantic partner is the only one they open up to and and therefore they end up you dump all of your crap on this person and you know you don't want to be doing that man you don't want to be going on a first date and you feel a little connection so you just you know dump all your traumatic experience on them or have to hold yourself you know back and and keep yourself quiet so it's it's like a gym. I guess, you know, I said that earlier, but I really feel like it's a it's a safe environment to uh to work your stuff out so that you can go out and and be healthier in relationship. And in my case, you know, I I do work outside of the groups too, you know. I have a therapist now. I've seen different therapists and I've had different coaches and um and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll work with a, a female therapist purpose purposely. I'll do work in 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 a co-ed environments purposely. And I think it's all important. What I do think that an, uh, a men's group offers is a really strong foundation, a really strong baseline. And you find that, um, there's just this really amazing camaraderie that, that, that naturally emerges. And it's just a sense of, of shared support and strength that, you know, I, I mean, it's nice to have a place to go, air your laundry where the the consequences are not huge right like you don't you don't live with the guys in your men's group you don't you know you don't see them every day um and it's just good to it's good to have that place and my relationship now like i said i briefly mentioned earlier i practice the same skills with my wife over and over and over and over and and my boys too and um I'm in a marriage, we've been married for almost four years now, and uh, it's been the hardest thing that I've ever done, and it's easily the most rewarding thing right now that that I can think of doing as well. It has been the, the ability for me to stick with the discomfort of getting to know Elise, that's my wife's name, so deeply, and we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of struggles. It hasn't been easy. Um, so two things the group have, has done for me, my groups have done for me during my marriage. One, it, it just keeps a strong center of support and foundation to come back to. You know, it's like I could get stressed out over the week, but go to my group, get clear, get everything out, um, and go back into the, you know, go back in the game. It's it's almost like the, you know, halftime or the sidelines on a football game, right? So my relationship in my life is the game. And and I get to run over and huddle with my guys for a little bit and make sure, you know, I'm going the right way in a way. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. 
If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I thought of a bunch of things while you were talking. Um, one is some things that I've seen with men in my life um, or people I know, some people's husbands, some things with guys who work with us and stuff with myself. And I kind of want to go into a little bit of each. I know with my father, my dad died in my early 20s and my parents ended up divorced. And for a long time, they never... I mean, my mom describes it as like a Disney marriage or something. I forget. She was very happy for a long time. But at, at some point, my dad in his mid-40s, uh, I mean, both of them started out poor. They got married. My mom was, I don't know, she had me in her late teens and my dad was in his early 20s right out of the military. They didn't really have much. They didn't really have a lot of help. Um, but they built a life together and had four kids. And But at some point in my dad's mid-40s, he got to the point where he was getting really close to where he could retire. And I think his marriage was a big foundation for that. He was buying a lot of real estate and buying apartment buildings and had quite a lot of stock. And these are not things that he was taught to do, but there were things that he, he picked up by having the right mentors. And he thought he was sort of on cruise control. And then my mother asked for a separation. And until the, he died a year, year and a half later, and he had cancer and didn't realize it. And I, I think, I mean, when I talked to him about it, in a lot of ways, he felt like that was the biggest failure of his life because he thought he basically took the relationship for granted. And my mom felt like my dad didn't love her anymore because he was focused on these ne- other things. He thought he was providing for his family. And she thought that he just didn't love her anymore. And, and Oh, that's so heartbreaking. What a heartbreaking story, man. So that, that's the, the first thing. And, and a lot of stuff that you're talking about here would have been really helpful for my dad, right? Because yeah. um, a lot of the stuff that that you're talking about, about suppression and sort of being disconnected, he thought he was doing what he was. society told him he was supposed to be doing exactly. as a man and he was doing a great job. And, uh, and he was failing in certain ways in the things that were the most important to him. And... That's the first one. The second one is I had a recent conversation. Well, when I say recent, in the last nine months with this woman, she wants to be an entrepreneur. Somebody connected us. And we'd sit down every once in a while and have conversations but about entrepreneurship and what she was doing. Um, but she also would bring up her relationships and or her relationship with her husband. And she was saying that he was basically absent and he runs a hedge fund in New York City. They have a lot of money. Um, but she's like, in order to... Like I've been unhappy for a, a very long time. Um, she has some things that she very seriously resents him uh, for. One of them, uh, as an example, she's like, we have a couple kids and and I got pregnant and we weren't planning the pregnancy and I want to have the baby. And he told me I should get an abortion, abortion and then never brought it up again. And he just was emotionally absent. And I still carry that resentment against him for that. And as as cures for a lot of these things she goes he bought me a house in the hamptons he like bought this for me but he bought that for me and it's the same thing he thinks she goes he's tried to since i I brought up the fact that i want a divorce he's he's tried to make all these changes but she's she said it's too late and who knows if it is or not but it's the same thing we're talking about he was unconscious and it's the same thing that my dad sort of went through and it goes back to these same challenges that that men have. And I think often our society pushes these on us by doing things by like saying like, you know, don't cry, act like a man. But women also, I I think are responsible in a lot of ways and, or they have, they bear their own sense of responsibility. I know I've been in relationships where I've tried to sort of 
emote or open up and people are like, you're a six foot tall man. Like, is it's the same type of thing? And, and, it, and that sort of connects back to this idea that it's really important to be emotionally open in your relationships, but it's also, it's important to have another conduit to air some of this stuff out and develop these skill sets. And this leads me to somebody who works with us. And he was talking to me last night. We had a late phone call and he was just talking about some open, uh, opening up about a few different things. And he had said that he had this crush on this girl. He hung out with her. They worked together at a previous job. He opened up, he asked her out and it didn't really go the way that he anticipated. And then uh, at some point he opened up to her about some issues he had had with depression and other things, and she totally withdrew. And so he, he asked me about vulnerability, and he goes, well, should you be vulnerable all the time? Because he goes, that's what I keep hearing. Or should I be vulnerable in certain situations with certain people, which begins to feel like compartmentalization? And I, I have some thoughts, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll speak to that one first. And I feel like uh, vulnerability is is a pretty natural state to be in and is healthy as long as it's safe enough to be so, right? I mean, that's the word that I use a ton, which I think that, you know, isn't necessarily a sexy idea to think about, but emotional safety and the, in creating the space or creating an environment or relationship in which vulnerability is appropriate and, and wanted is, is hugely important, right? I mean, no, you don't want to walk around bearing your soul to every single individual necessarily right you're gonna get your you're gonna get your ass handed to you you're gonna get hurt right you're gonna you're gonna it's just not necessarily appropriate i do think you can i think you can work toward that i think you can work toward uh being honest and and open you know in general i feel i feel like i hold that as a a goal for myself as i as i try not to but at the same time i mean you, you don't need to um you got to be able to to read the 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 safety and that's so that's part of well i have five things i want to say let me pick one of them no you don't have to be vulnerable all the time but you do need to learn how to do it when it's right when it's appropriate right and i think that that takes some real subtle understanding and takes some time and some practice I think it it takes a I really do I'm I'm going to keep leaning on this language but it is it's it's like a set of skills and muscles that we've just not developed very much right you know like I think one I don't remember who heard I heard this I heard say this but it's like you know you go you go to the gym and you get really strong um and you develop a lot of power right so so that you're strong but then you don't use that strength and every you don't use all of that strength when you eat a hamburger, right? You know, you like, you temper it, you titrate your skills, you titrate your abilities to, to the situation that's appropriate. So when you, you know, when you lift the barbell, you use your strength, um, and then you have it for when it's appropriate. I think that's true with vulnerability. Um, I want to go back just so I don't forget to, but I, 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 the story of your dad truly is heartbreaking for me. And I feel a lot for you in that. I feel a lot for him. I feel a lot for your mom, honestly. And I think that, you know, to tie in that word safety to this whole thing, I feel so much for men who go through life and what the world, what they hear the world asking of them, what they hear culture and people asking of them is make money, take care of your family, you know, do this thing and that is your job. That's your purpose. That's why, that's what you, that's the value you bring to the world. And then, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, maybe there's messages along the way that that's not enough, but in some ways, you know, when that breaks down and that's not enough, I mean, that's, it's terrifying. It's, it's like, it's so scary. And and you're right. Our culture has, you know, there's and there's no specific person or people to blame. It's everyone. The culture, the system itself, has not encouraged men to also develop their emotional skills and their ability to be vulnerable. It's just hasn't. It's just not been part of it. And I think there's pretty legitimate historical reasons for that. And I think right now what's happening is the world is simply asking different things of men. It's just, it's, I think it's natural. I'm, I, my, my guess is that it's been this way throughout history, you know, 
things are changing very quickly, obviously, you know, technology, politics, everything is in hyperspeed right now. And what I think is very important, what I want to share is that by it, there's never an all or nothing. It's never just black or white, right? So we still need to learn how to, you know, be productive and, and make a good living and do all this stuff. But, but I think there's also just a simple request that says, and men for the, for your health, for the health and wellness of your family, for the, the betterment of all the people around you, we're asking you to, to figure out how to slow down and be vulnerable and connect to people and actually hear them, actually feel them to be able to be loved, to be able to love more openly and simply and directly to be able to attend to the parts of life that have been labeled soft, that have been labeled unproductive. But the, the brilliant result is when you do that, it doesn't take away your masculinity. It doesn't take away your ability to fight or to, to build or to earn. It doesn't. It just simply doesn't. What, what we're doing is filling in a spectrum. We're filling in the spectrum of ourselves to be more healthy and balanced. And, and you know, I think that, that balance is, is um, you know, in an ecological perspective or, or really in any perspective, it's it's where sustainability and health comes from, right? You don't want you don't want a monoculture. You don't want to just be the just be the breadwinner and and um, and I actually get really excited about the potential, you know, of of I, I like to envision a culture of men that uh, that also attend to the to the wellness and the and the mental health and the emotional health of those around them. I think we can lead in that way. I mean, to talk about a paradigm shift. To go from a, you know, women carry all the emotional weight in life to, well, no, men, we can step up and we can also be fully participate, fully participatory leaders in that area. And um, the results are immediate. The results are outstanding. You know, relationships deepen, health increases, productivity increases, everything. Yeah, I think this is awesome a few things came to my mind. One is um, you talked about some of the expectations for men like earning and protecting. <laughs> One of them that comes to my mind and you brought up at the beginning of this podcast is then do it on your own, right? The, the idea of the rugged individual, <laughs> right. right? That That's one of the biggest. That's one of the biggest, isn't it? This this sense of do it, figure it out on your own. And there's a huge sense of shame many men feel if they can't. In any situation, if they, you know, and that I would say, that's the one, if, if nothing else, we got to just obliterate that one because that's literally not how we are wired and designed. As, it's not how we evolved as humans. We are social primates. If we are not connected and safe in a group of other social primates, other humans, we simply suck. <laughs> we suck. We, we we are ineffective in comparison to a human being who is plugged in and safe amongst the community. That is how we are okay. Like like the the neural wiring, the 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 neurochemical impact of being alone, of being isolated, of of being this you know lone wolf. The the myth of the lone wolf or the the impact. I mean, we are full of cortisol. We are just not effective, man. Like it. <sighs> I just got really passionate about that one. <laughs> That's such a big one. We can't do it alone. We can't. We 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 will not get where we need to go if we think we're going to do this alone. It's it, that's maybe primary. I'm so glad you, I didn't know I was so passionate about that. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you're passionate about it because I am too. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I want to go back to this thing I told this guy who I work with, and it's consistent with what you're saying, and it's consistent. On a more on an even deeper level with what you're you're doing in your work, and I told him, look, like you can open up. I mean, you can just choose that you're going to go around and, and open up to everybody and be completely vulnerable. But in the process, you're going to find a lot of people who are closed, and they're dealing with their own traumas, and they're going to re-traumatize you. Or, and I and and if that's the path you want to decide to take, um, just understand that that's going to happen. Um, if there's, you can also begin to nurture this vulnerability in, in these safer environments with other guys who are conscious uh, or other women who are conscious, who are aware 
It could be a men's group like every man. It could be um, some type of other, and there's lots of things. I went to a soulful dinner the other night and we sat around a table, only one person t- could talk. Everybody had to uh, ask someone to serve them food, so there was some level of connection. We explored some very, very deep topics, and everybody walked away feeling significantly more connected. I, at least that's, that was my, my feeling. I felt like it was one of the most profound experiences I've had in my adult life. And there's there's lots of different places where you can do this, but you nurture these in a safer place, and you build that muscle, as you described earlier, and then later on, if you want to write a book about your most traumatic experiences or you want to go on a TV show, show and do a, a talk show or whatever, um, then when some of these people who have these traumas start reacting online or in different spheres, you'll have the emotional capacity and strength to deal with some of this this pushback, which really is just projections of their own trauma that you won't have when you start out. Absolutely. Competency and capacity, right? Like, like it is, it's, it's learning an entire new way of being in some ways and maybe not entirely new, but, but to stabilize and to have the ability to, to feel subtly in that space and to, you know, titrate titration is, is I think a really helpful concept in this. And that's, you know, it's a chemical, it's basically a technique for chemistry, right? If you titrate, you take one, one element or one I don't know, mixture and you take the tiniest little bit and add it into another and then you take the tiniest little bit into another. And so it's just, I, I feel like repetitions and small steps and, you know, have like exactly like you said, the safe place where, where you can just take a few steps forward. I think in this, in this region or in this arena, um, there's, uh, and I kind of lift this from Stephen Kotler's book uh, about flow states but basically they describe getting into a flow state you get to your edge you get to your limit and then you you push one to four percent beyond that and i and that drops you into a effective state of flow i think that's really appropriate in terms of vulnerability as well is you you know you create or you find or you identify a place where it's safe to do this, whether it's a relationship, somebody you trust, a friend you trust, a men's group, a, you know, a soulful dinner party, whatever it is, where it's already kind of agreed upon that it's okay here. And then you get to your edge where you're uncomfortable and then you, you, you push yourself just over that edge and you share something and it's scary and, you know, you have your whole sort of reaction to it while you're doing it. But what that does is, you know, just just like any other arena of personal growth, is it is it sets you on a a, a stable and productive path of, of of learning, and it really is a literacy and competency thing. It really is. It's it's, you know, this is something that men have not been, you know, trained. Let alone trained, they haven't even really been encouraged or allowed to do. In many cases, there's exceptions, obviously, but. It's like go- I would argue they've mostly been encouraged to suppress. Totally. And so it's literally like we're paving new ground. It's terrifying. It should be terrifying, you know. This is this triggers some very basic survival um things in us, you know, as a human and and so I think it's I think it's uh valiant, you know, or valiant. What's the right word? To 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 go into that space, it's it's the space of the unknown. It is the space of the unco- of the unconscious of the subconscious, and and we're literally shining a light around on our the things that we don't think it's okay to 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 show. It's, it is scary. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I want to share a few personal experiences that I've had because. With this podcast, and some of the guys are thinking, "Oh, well, I just wanted to meet, learn to meet girls." <laughs> that's why I'm. That's why I ended up grafting charisma. These guys are supposed to be the best at it, and Chris Luna is supposed to be the best at it. I've heard some of his crazy stories, although I usually don't talk about them in public forum. But I, I realized that some of my past traumas really fucked up some relationships, specifically with one particular woman, where I was creating physical and emotional blocks. And I knew I had done that in a few different relationships. That wasn't inhibiting me from attracting women in my life. But when I met somebody I really wanted, it really fucked up the relationship. And for me, that became a wake-up call. Because I, I thought, what is the alternative? 
am I going to continue to do this or I'm going to figure out how to fix this, right? And and so I was already becoming aware of a lot of the traumas that I had acquired, especially during adulthood. And I'm going to go through some of them <laughs> now so people who are listening to this will just get an idea. I mean, I, for a long time, I didn't want to talk about them because I thought, well, th- does this like affect my perception as a coach and I realized that my role that what was more important was that I be a model for the guys who are coming to to our our classes and our workshops and and listening to this because a lot of them didn't have very good models and and, and these are things like some of these traumas include like being kicked out at 18 years old I didn't understand how that affected me until I was in, in my 30s, but my mom threatening to kick me out starting at 14 years old when I was in junior high school. And then when I was 18, she kicked me out. And it's just like, you think you can make it on your own? Go do it. I did. By the time I was in my early 20s, I was making more money than my parents, but I didn't understand how that affected me until I was in my 30s. And I had some periods of sort of living uncertainty. And it, somebody was sort of helping me out. I was trying to build craft charisma early on. And I remember I, I was in the kitchen. I just started crying. And, and I was like, why? Why is this affecting me so much? And I realized I was struggling with abandonment. Um, my, my father dying. Like uh, having that male role model and then losing what was the primary uh, role model. And I'm sensitive. A lot of guys come in the classes, guys listen to this didn't have a male role model, um, or they had a really shitty one. But having my dad die was profound. I, uh, I, I had some conflicts with him when I was a teenager. After he died at the funeral, uh, one of his friends told me, I held, I held your dad while he cried because you told him he wasn't a good father. And I and carry, carrying that around, um, talking about the, the Me Too movement and some of the social stuff, Craft Charisma at times was sort of uh, could be a lightning rod for that. I would have women lash out at me and get upset at me. And what they were really doing was projecting their traumas on me, but letting that affect me, not ha- understanding the difference between compassion and empathy when people would come in with their traumas and, and I would take them on. Um, trying to build a business in a form of uncertainty. I went out to Columbia. I got into one of the best universities in the world. I never thought I was going to college. And then I had to drop out my first year because I didn't have any money. And, and I spent the first three or four years crashing on couches trying to build a business. And a lot of fucking shit went wrong. And, and I could have given up a lot of different times. But I felt completely and absolutely alone. And so what all this resulted was in was like, I was suppressing these things. I was isolated. I didn't want to talk about them. I didn't, I was compartmentalizing things. I was trying to control the parts of my life that felt uncertain. Um, yeah, exactly. I kept putting, it was like blowing pressure into a balloon and that balloon eventually popped. And I, and I basically gave myself a fucking breakdown and I was scared to interact with people. I was having the most fucking crazy thoughts you possibly could think of. Um, I was scared of like inanimate objects. I couldn't use a knife for a year. I was so, so fucked up. And and I, I remember I had a girlfriend at the time and I was scared to articulate the things that were happening in my life or not in my life, in my mind. And they're just thoughts. Like I, what I learned eventually is that you don't have to re- react to traumas. You don't have to react to these sort of projections or these things that we think we can do in the future. And when you let go of those things, for me, 95% of all that noise in my head disappeared in a second. And the reason why I'm sharing all this is this really fucked me up for a few different years and I had to keep working. I just forced myself to work through it. I took a lot, I did a lot of the things that you're describing. I just like, I have to keep burning. I got a man up. I'm still on my own. And I realized all of that was fucking bullshit. And that there are incredible, absolutely incredible tools that will help you, if you're listening to this, become the man that you want to be. And there are things like men's groups. There are things like mindfulness and meditation. There's books. I mean, if you're struggling with this internal dialogue that's going on in your head, I get it. You Email email me. I'll, I'll send resources, uh, send you a direction, different resources. But I, I told you, because actually the first time Dan... We tried to record this podcast about four years ago before all this, yeah, right? a lot of this stuff happened. Yeah. And it was really interesting because that was the first time you'd ever opened up about this stuff in a public Isn't forum. Isn't that crazy? It's true. It's true, man. That was like a, that was a, a loaded uh, experience for me because I was, 
in a different career. And I, all I wanted was to open up about this stuff and, uh, it was scary and, and I didn't have my feet under me and, and that I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that it was, it was super, that, that is, it's, it's sort of like, a it, talking to you today does seem like a, a new round on the, on the wheel of life. You know, I'm in a very different place that, that I had just moved in, uh, to the apartment with my now wife, right. I just met her. Uh, we had not, you know, I mean, it's insane to feel and look at how much life has happened since, since we've talked about, and I want to really commend you on your leadership by sharing your own vulnerabilities and sharing your own story, because I think that is, that is what the world needs right now is as men, we need to, you know, we need to lead by example and we need to, to lead without the mask of this false fucking front that, that we have felt like we needed to have for so long. The, the front that says, you know, I got it, I'm weathering the storm and I'm just fucking fine. Right. Which is, it's just not, it's just not real, man. That's not human. <laughs> you know, that's just like not a viable, sustainable way to live. And so, so yeah, I want to, I want to really commend you on, on opening up. And I think that is the leadership that, that men need and, and the world needs. Right. And I think, uh, I think you're doing a great job, man. I appreciate it. I think that what you're doing is absolutely incredible. And I, a couple of things, I know we're short on time and I want to let you go. Um, do whatever it is that you got to do because it sounds like you got a ton of great things going on in your life. Uh, one of the things that you said the first time we chatted, and we ended up not publishing it because the sound quality was was fucked up. So if you're listening to this and you're trying to search for it, it's it's you're not going to find it. Um, but one of the things that you said at that time was, you, I feel uncomfortable talking about some of my men's work, but if I'm honest with myself, every major success that I've had in my adult life, I can attribute directly towards uh, my involvement in the group. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very real, man. Um, yeah, so I, I found my first men's group when I was 26 or 27 in New York City. I didn't know what it was. I, just, I went to a party and this German guy invited me to come check it out. I was in my breakdown. You, you talked about a breakdown that you had. I had a really major breakdown. Um, yeah, when I was 26 or 27, end of 26, and I lived in Brooklyn and um, stepped into that room uh, with eight or nine guys, and I was the youngest man in the room by far. I was by far the least accomplished, and uh, but something even happened before anybody said a word. Like literally, just by being accepted and being like part of that group of guys. It was like an immediate. Uh, it expanded my vision of what it, of what my possibility and potential was immediately, and not just pro- and professional was a big part of it. Actually, you know, these guys were like 34, 45, 40. You know, they were like the next age group older, and they all were k- freaking killing it in life. You know, and there's like multimillionaires in the group. There was, there was guys at the top of their game, and, and not only were they at the top of their game professionally, but they were really doing their own personal work right they 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 were they were working on themselves they had good relationships they were very i mean the the it was like such a, a mind fuck honestly to, to step in and see it's like my goodness i didn't know men could be like this and here's eight of them getting together regularly simply to help each other like be this way i was like i'm in i'm in i'm all in what what, you know and so what you what you mentioned so that's not the networking part isn't like the primary purpose of this stuff but yeah man like i one of the guys in that group became my coach that helped me grow up better than anybody else i know his name is john o'connor one of the guys got me into the the TV world, like literally brought me in and got me that career going. And I mean, it just, it goes on and on and on. Like, like it has become the, just a central meeting point in my life. And then I moved to, I moved out to Montana and I found the only local men's group in that area. And that guy became my mentor, Owen Marcus, who's a f- co-founder of every man with me. That's, it's, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to imagine it's the same thing for everybody, but the shit's happening everywhere you go. Like, you know, because, because, because of this, because you get in a group and, and you find guys that you, you open up to, so you trust each other. And all of a sudden that trust opens up like 
shit, man, we should, maybe we should work together. How could we work together? How can we help each other? How can we support each other, be successful in all ways? And it's, it's just such an amazing accelerator. Um, that's cool that you brought that up, man. It's because it, it's super, it still holds true today. Yeah, I've been thinking about it ever since you said, said it. Like, we're not every moment, but I've been thinking about yeah, it yeah. with regularity. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so um, I, I want to let you go do whatever it is that, that you, you need to do. But I want you to know that from at Craft Charisma, we absolutely love you and we love what you're doing. And um, thank you for sharing with us and for opening up and for just being yourself and continuing to do the things that you're doing. And if you're interested in learning more about Dan, you're more, you're interested in learning more about every man and all the things that uh, they are doing and he's doing. We're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website within the description of this podcast so you can find out about both more easily. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, man. Have a great day. This is great. Thanks. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.